It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And we're going to look across the seas a little bit uh, while we wait for President Biden uh, to, again, go down uh, much of what we tried to lay out for you in the last segment as it relates to his speech to the country this afternoon, talking about uh, violent crime in America, guns, uh, law enforcement, and uh, how do we actually uh, make our community safer and stronger, uh, all of which I think are very good things. Uh, doing them by executive order uh, makes them tenuous at best. And again, what's done by executive order will be undone by executive order. Uh, but I want to jump over to Afghanistan now. And we continue to monitor and watch as U.S. troops continue to pull out. Uh, They're focused, of course, on a uh, September 11th deadline for a complete withdrawal. And as that begins, uh, the Taliban is moving in, is moving forward, and nobody should be surprised by any of that, uh, despite many who uh, were so certain that the Taliban would just never do such a thing. Uh, but, of course, they are doing such a thing. Uh, that That is what they do. Uh, so the Taliban is moving in. They are taking control of uh, dozens of, of towns and cities. And in particular... Uh, Afghanistan translators and guides and contractors uh, are very worried, uh, are very scared. Uh, I want to tee this up uh, real quick with uh, something from uh, Martha Raddatz as she looked at uh, the situation on the ground there in Afghanistan. More than 750 U.S. cargo planes full of equipment have now been flown out of Afghanistan while the Taliban is sweeping the countryside. This morning, with over half of the withdrawal complete and no peace deal in place, the Taliban is rapidly taking over towns and districts, releasing video claiming it shows Afghan soldiers peacefully surrendering weapons and military vehicles, What they aren't showing, the hundreds of Afghan soldiers that have been slaughtered. Afghanistan's foreign minister now accusing the Taliban of carrying out the worst violence in two decades. Everyone is living in fear. Abdul, we will use only his first name, was side by side with U.S. Marines in Helmand province as an interpreter. Now, with a wife and three children, he has yet to get a visa to leave the country, despite the U.S. State Department calling it a priority. I know that I will be killed by the Taliban. We travel to the home of a Taliban elder, Haji Saeed Akbar Aga. He claims the Taliban won't harm anyone, but violence has been widespread. For many Afghans who live here, the feeling is hopelessness. And for many of those interpreters and others, 18,000 of them, they are desperately trying to get a visa with no luck yet. Again, that was Martha Raddatz reporting. Uh, and so we want to bring in our good friend Miles Hansen, uh, president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah. He understands this part of the world in a most unique way. And uh, as you listen to that, uh, Miles, uh, of course, the the thing I want to get to is we have so many of these translators and guides and contractors 
who have been a great help to the United States of America, who are now scared for their lives, having a hard time getting visas. What are you hearing in terms of what's happening on the ground there uh, as this withdrawal continues? Boy, it's, it's great to be on, as always. And, you know, we talked a, probably a month and a half ago or so about Afghanistan. At that time, we talked about how this is just a sad and tragic situation for a lot of people involved. And the United States has a deep commitment to these Afghans who, for many years, have been right there fighting side by side, along with our soldiers, working for us and helping us. And what we've seen over the past couple of months is, is pretty predictable is, is the Afghanistan is, con- I'm sorry, the Taliban are expanding their control in Afghanistan and trying to fill a vacuum from our troops, uh, our combat troops pulling out. And these are extraordinary times. Boy, so there is a process that's been in place for many years through which, you know, translators, interpreters, and others can apply to get a special type of visa to come to the United States. The challenge is we have a very, very short timeline and a very high number of people that we need. We have a moral obligation to help. And so what we need to see in Washington is a special process set up. It's not the typical process is backlogged and takes a lot of time. So that over the next few months, we can help a lot of these people evacuate from Afghanistan because there are very deadly consequences for those that worked with us in areas that are soon to be controlled by the Taliban. Um, so we, we've got to find a way to, to help them get out, them and their families, get out and come here to the United States. Yeah, I, I just think that's so vital. Uh, we, we talk about making sure we, we stand with our, our friends and allies. And I think those in particular, again, who served as, as translators, guides, contractors, and so on, uh, we really do owe it uh, to these people. And, and I know, uh, Miles, you've had experience with some of these guides and, and translators in, in your time. Uh, tell us about that, and, and, and maybe you just can conclude with uh, a little bit of, is there a process being laid out in terms of accelerating those visas so we can get uh, those people who have been such a great help and their families out uh, before those deadly consequences set in. Yeah, boy, you know, it, my experience working with, with, with these brave men and women was absolutely phenomenal. These are some of the best of the best. They're people who believe in the American dream, but not so much. They weren't motivated by, hey, let's, let's find a way to get to the United States and live out that dream there. But let's try to build that right there in Afghanistan. And so they, they, they work hard. They're smart. They're educated. They're some of the best and the brightest in the country, and their values line up so well with ours. And so that's where these are people that we want to help, that we do have this moral obligation. And so I know in Washington right now there is growing recognition that the standard process is insufficient for the moment. And so there's work underway to to, to try to figure out what is the best way to um, open up opportunities to those that have served with us, that know us, that we know them, that we can quickly vet them to make sure that it's, it's, they are who they say they are and it's the right, you know, family members. Right? There's a security component to this that we need to be very careful with the vetting, and there needs to be a process in place to, to, to manage it. Well, at the same time, we must act with, with urgency. And, and there's some time left to, to, to make some progress and do things. But if Washington drags its, its feet on this, then, uh, then there's going to be really, really – um, unfortunate consequences for these wonderful people that have been working with us in Afghanistan. Yeah, and just in our uh, final minute uh, here, if you're just joining us, we have Miles Hansen on the line with us from World Trade Center, Utah, who uh, has been in and around uh, Afghanistan, knows what this looks like and feels like. Uh, as you project it forward from the broader context, uh, what do you see uh, coming up over the next few months as we march towards September 11th and that complete withdrawal 
uh, are we are are we doomed to a, a Taliban continued to march forward, uh, or is there is there other opportunities or other paths that might uh, might emerge? You know, Boyd, I think that this is a time where we need to uh, we need to look very closely at the tools that we have in our toolkit that will still be at our disposal even when we end up combat and even when we end combat operations in Afghanistan. If I think about our, our security support, right, even though we don't we won't have combat troops in Afghanistan, we will have ample opportunity to support the Afghan security forces and make sure that they've got the, the, the tools, the resources, the intelligence that they need to push back against the Taliban. Uh, we also have the opportunity to provide continue to provide uh, diplomatic and economic support and, and help Afghans uh, recognize that if they are in areas controlled by the government, there will be more opportunities for them to, to grow and prosper economically. And so to continue to keep Afghan, uh, the Afghan people uh, wanting to support the central, central government in Afghanistan. And we also will still have uh, covert and special forces options to help push back, particularly on leadership of, of, of those within the Taliban that are supporting terrorist organizations that mean to do us harm, and that we will still have the opportunity to uh, degrade and, and, and fight back against those elements of the Taliban. I think if we're smart with the use of those three uh, elements of power, yeah. that we'll have an opportunity to, to support the Afghan government and, and allow them to take some accountability and ownership over their country, while also making sure that we do appropriately end this combat role after after 20 years. Uh, fantastic. Miles Hansen, President and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, always appreciate uh, your input and insight, uh, not just on Afghanistan, but so many other things, but great framing of this today, and especially this idea that we've got to make sure we help our friends, the translators, guides, and contractors who've made a difference uh, for our country and for our security. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. Uh, when we come back, we're going to pick up the conversation about some of the Supreme Court decisions, what they mean for our schools, what do they mean for parents. Important conversation coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.